everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Bussin, the Greenville Transit Podcast. We've taken a field trip today, and we're actually out here at Furman University at the Shy Institute for Sustainable Communities, and we're going to be talking to their brand new executive director, Andrew Predmore. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Happy to be with you. Yeah. Thanks for coming out and uh, visiting, visiting us. That's right. So for our listeners, um, it, Andrew and I do have the same last name, and uh, that's because we're married, so... I had the inside scoop here when I scheduled this podcast this week, but I wanted us to get a chance to talk about how public transit intersects with sustainability. Cause I know for, um, for many people that that's part of how they plug into this topic and, and understand it a little bit better. So I wanted to give us a chance to ask some questions of Andrew and understand from a kind of big picture view, how transit impacts that type of thing. Andrew, tell us a little bit about the Shy Institute and what you guys have in front of you right now. What are you working on? Sure. Um, well, I'm I'm pretty new, so you know that we'll just start with that. But we're we're working on lots of things. Um, I would just say for folks, just generally to understand what it is we do and what our focus is, might be a good starting point. So, of course, one of the things that we're charged with doing is making the firm and campus more sustainable. So that could be greening operations that can be working on energy or waste and recycling or our food systems or our transportation systems right here on campus. So certainly the shines to, uh, wants to do all that we can there. And there are different ways that we report on our progress with that. Um, but that's only a, a, a fraction of what we, what we do. We also want to have a positive impact, um, on our communities. So that's, Greenville, that's the upstate and in the future, the state of South Carolina. And so that means those same issues that we work on on campus are things that we're prepared to support our communities on uh, across the state. So, um, yeah, so there's, there's sort of two parts of the job, right? There's the on-campus stuff that I think gives us credibility to then work um, with our partners off campus. Okay. Well, I know that you've worked in this field for a, a good while, um, working on sustainability and tell us a little bit about your career trajectory and how you ended up sitting here today. Yeah, it's, it's, um, been, I would say a bit of a winding path, but I don't think that that's unusual in sustainability because, um, you know, when I was first an undergraduate at the university of Virginia there, you couldn't major in sustainability. So there was no career path to become a sustainability professional. Now things are a bit clearer for students, right? You can, you can major in sustainability at Furman, but that wasn't the case when I started. So, um, yeah, I, I guess the, I'll do a, a quick synopsis and then you can, you can see what what's of interest but i was a professor of environmental studies at the university of illinois springfield um have a phd in forest resources and environmental conservation from virginia tech um but then i i I liked being a professor i liked teaching i enjoyed that um but i've always have been maybe more action oriented or wanted to make a uh, an impact not just on students' lives, but on the actual sustainability of communities. So um, I started, uh, when I was a professor, started looking at, well, what are universities doing, in, practically speaking, in terms of their own operations? And that got me interested in campus sustainability. I became a chair of like a faculty senate sustainability committee, and then that led me to applying for a job at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, uh, to be an associate director of sustainability for that very large campus. 
Um, and that was kind of me getting involved in, in like campus sustainability and, and operations of a big campus. And so then I became the director of sustainability there. And then I became the university director, which just meant that I was responsible, not just for the Bloomington campus of about 45,000 students, but then, um, the other six regional campuses. Um, and so, yeah, that, so, so I did that. And then, um, you and I wanted to get back to our home, yep. right? Our roots in South Carolina. And so we started looking for opportunities to do that. And so, um, prior to, to taking this job, uh, leading the Shine Institute, I was working for Milliken and company as a sustainability manager there. And so that was great and learned an awful lot about the corporate sustainability space and what's going on there. Uh, working with a company that is doing wonderful things there. One of the first 50 companies to have uh, approved science-based net zero targets. So that was really cool, but I'll also I'm thrilled to be back in higher ed and, and seeing what a difference we can make at the Shine Institute. So that's my attempt at a quick synopsis. No, I, and I can fact check for our listeners and tell you that was all true. <laughs> right. <laughs> that right. all happened. We moved around right. a lot. None of um, that was not true. Right? None of that was not true. It was all, yeah. all accurate. Um, well, all right. So going to that, when you think about sustainability from a large like campus, so thinking about sort of as the university director, mm-hmm. Indiana University, you have all these you know tens of thousands of students and faculty and staff and everything that are all impacting their environments in really large ways. Um, when I think about what we do at Greenville Connects, and we're talking about impacts in large ways and sustainability, one of those things is transit and how those types of individual decisions can add up in positive ways or negative ways, I guess, mm-hmm. um, around that. So how does, how do those personal decision-making and habits and things like that impact sustainability from a large systems perspective when you think about it? Mm, good question. I mean, I do like to talk about sort of personal, <laughs> personal choice, right? Um, but I also don't like to put the burden of sustainability on individuals, all the time because, um, and I, and I think coming back to the upstate has reminded me of this. Um, and you know, this, that like the systems in which we are embedded also impact our ability to make sustainable choices. So, um, and I think the transportation system is a, is a good, uh, example of that. And the work that you guys do is a good example of that is like, we need, uh, a better bus system, so that people will use the bus system. So it can't just be like, hey, Andrew, you should have ridden the bus over to work today. It also needs to be the bus system needs to be good enough such that I can get to work from where I live in a reliable, efficient manner. Otherwise, that's not a real choice for me. So there's two parts of it, right? There, there certainly is the personal responsibility of trying to make the sustainable choice, but there's also the systemic change that's needed to make those options truly viable for an individual. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that's kind of how I look at those things. And Mm -hmm. transportation is a great example of that, but there are other many, many other, you know, all the other facets of our lives where we could be more sustainable that are very much the same. Mm -hmm. No, I think that that did answer because it's, I think it is that tension between understanding as a personal choice what you know how that's impacting your day to day okay i did this i did that um i turned off this light i you know recycled this item i mm-hmm. carpooled with someone whatever it is that you're doing um when it comes to sustainability but if your community say didn't do recycling or 
you know, you're not in charge of the lights at work because they're on a timer or, you know, things like that where you're not able to, um, actually there's the system's not set up to make those choices and it would hurt. So -hmm. just when you talk about transit, do you know very much about, um, the way the impacts of large transit systems make on like, say sustainability within a community? Is that something that is there research or, um, information data that's out there around sustainability when it comes to large transit systems? Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure there is. Or does it matter? Like last week on our, on the podcast, we talked to um, Mike Fennern from Proterra and we talked about electric vehicles and he did a whole, you know, taught me how it all worked and was walking through all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. So even just that part about using different types of, of vehicles in mass transit and things like that, those, those types of choices. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's there's tons of information and research about that, and there there are basic things that I was looking up before you came over just to remind myself. But like when you think of greenhouse gas emissions globally, and and I this is going to be roughly accurate, transportation accounts for about thirty percent of that. And then I was looking at Furman's greenhouse gas footprint or impact, and transportation is around fifteen percent of that. But then, I mean, but then it's, it's, it's much more, um, complex. Sustainability is much more complex than that. I mean, looking at the climate impact is one thing, but when we think about sustainability, we like to think about systems thinking. Um, and we want to be folks that contribute to solutions that aren't just for the environment, but are for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you, you got to look at, and I know you are looking at like, what is the impact of public transportation on equity, people's ability of, uh, uh, with indifferent socioeconomic status to be able to get to work, right? And, and, um, and find fulfillment in their lives. And so like, it's a, it's a really complex thing. It's not just about greenhouse gas emissions. Mm-hmm. It's about people's livelihoods, their ability to find fulfillment in our community, our ability to sort of keep a community that is diverse, right? Um, and, uh, and not exclusive. And so, man, all those things are connected through transportation, I think. So, um, yeah, in terms of the research, I'm sure there's more research than any one of us could possibly consume oh, totally. on this topic. But um, I just want to make that point about connections. Yeah, no, I think that, and I think that's some of the stuff we've noticed too, is that it is about like with the transportation development plan, that's, um, we're trying to find more resources for that. That's one of our main priorities at Greenville Connects is to get that fully funded is that if it's fully funded, we'll have probably 17 more routes Mm -hmm. and they'll go from traveler's rest here down to Furman. They'll have a little circulator and then the, there's a bus that already comes out here to Furman. So that would take people downtown so they could get from traveler's rest all the way downtown and then keep going south to Fountain Inn through buses. And then they could also go from easily um, to GSP out to the airport and then all in the middle. So like being able to have that connectivity so that people really can get somewhere mm-hmm. efficiently, reliably, affordably, so that transportation doesn't have to take up so much of someone's, you know, budget, yeah. their monthly budget. It's sort of just equalizing that access um, so other people can really get to work or into kind of their full Engagement with the community. Yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't think necessarily that sort of equalizing access is an issue at Furman, but it can be. Like, there's students here who don't have a car. And so Mike Winiski, who 
who is in charge of our Center for Applied Sustainability Research, was showing me, and this was like a couple of weeks ago, a survey of students and their access and their thoughts about things. And one of the things that that stuck out to me is that um, the students felt fairly strongly that their ability to um, network and to pursue internship opportunities off campus was impacted by whether or not they had an automobile here. Mm -hmm. And so they need other options and really good options. Um, and again, that we want all of our students, right, to have access to, to Greenville and to make connections in this community, not just the ones that happen to have an automobile here. So yeah. all that to say, like, you wouldn't think that that sort of equity issue is a thing at Furman because this is a place of resources, but it is. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. Well, and just think about, um, our workforce, um, our workforce participation rate in Greenville County mm. is 48.2%. So that means more than that's out of the people that can work. Yeah. Can work of the working work. age. Yep. Um, wow. so they're, they're not participating in the workforce for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons that is identified are barriers to transportation. So they can't, so you've got, um, you know, an employer who doesn't have enough people, working, right? That has to change what they're doing because they don't have enough staff or employees. And then you have people who are maybe sitting at home wishing that they had more work, more, more income, and they can't access that job. So it's, you know, from both sides of the equation, we've not made, been able to make that connection because we don't have consistent, reliable transportation mm -hmm. in Greenville County. Yeah. So there, there, there's, you know, a common, common thought or lesson in sustainability is, we're talking about the same issue and you could approach it from a climate change perspective. We need to ethically and for the future of status of the planet, we need to use more public transportation because it's a more efficient means of getting people around or what you're talking about, which is it's also an economic development and equity issue. Mm -hmm. It's all of those things at once. Yeah. Well, and I think that's true about sustainability. It used to be very, um, I don't know. You, people throw around like tree hugger and, you know, green, sure. you know, like all the, sure. they would almost in a negative way be like, oh, that, those crazy people, mm -hmm. you know, only care about these very small issues that they're willing to argue about. Um, and people didn't understand the great impact or the, or the interconnectedness of all of those issues, right? So it's not just equity and access to economic mobility, but it's also how can you have a healthy life? Yep. That's like the, maybe not the history of sustainability, but the history of, environmentalism in the yeah. u.s it was very much like preservation oriented to start with and that was uh, very much an elitist concern mm -hmm. and so that's part of what sustainability um wants to bring a broader lens to the same challenges yeah um, and one that also creates more lasting solutions right if you if you just look at climate you might create solutions that are bad for people uh, or if you just look at economic development you're going to create solutions that uh create a an un, un, move us further towards an unlivable planet for the future. So we we need this sort of interdisciplinary systems thinking type of lens mm -hmm. when we solve these things. Yeah. Well, to wrap up for today, when's the last time you took a bus somewhere? Do you remember? Mm. Probably when you, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible from a sustainability uh, director, but when you and I went to New York, mm -hmm. um, and and I'm a tennis player, and, and got to see some of the U.S. Open. We, I'm oh, we did. Sure, we I'm rode pretty a bus. sure we yep. took a bus 
because that was the best way or one of the best ways to get around mm-hmm. Manhattan. Yep. Um, have not taken a bus, sadly, in, in since moving here. Yep, not a Greenville bus. You haven't been yeah. on there. Don't worry, everybody. I'm on them all the time. So for the Predmore uh, average, we're pretty high at the house, but I do carry the weight of our bus riding. <laughs> Soon to change, I can see. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Well, we don't. the bus doesn't come out to our house. Um, yeah. It makes it a little bit harder for all that. So I have to drive in and, and get on it. So can you, can you educate me about the bus? You mentioned like going to Traveler's Rest and coming out to Furman. I know there's a bus stop. Can you kind of remind me? what you know about that and like the schedule. Yep. So if we have like Furman folks listening to this, that's right. I they're going to be, and, and I, well, sh- I need challenge. to learn it. I need to know it. I'm new. I don't happen to know that one. So, so what's, yep. what's the deal there? So the bus comes to the gates of Furman, um, every mm-hmm. hour from, let's see, the buses start at five 30 in the morning and go to 1130 at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they come out here around a quarter till 10 till every hour. And so you can get downtown by within, I would say, 20 minutes. So you get picked up here. Mm-hmm. If you're at the at the gates, you can always check on the UMO app. That's U-M-O. You can download that. And there's a find my bus feature. And you oh. can also put money on your electronic wallet. So you can just get on the bus and they scan your code. Um, and so it just, it's a dollar fifty. That came up in our survey that, that students wanted that. Like, yeah. So you have it. No, we so, already have it. So, so we students to, could download that app, uh-huh. run out there at the gates, hop on and get downtown uh, within 20 minutes and not worry about parking. So it runs roughly on the hour though. It runs, it, it comes every 60 every hour, minutes. Yeah. Yep. Every hour yeah, it comes. On the hour, it but happens to come here. I want to say it's about a quarter to 10 minutes till the hour. Um, mm-hmm. But the UMO app will tell you. Where it is. You also really quickly, if you want to do uh, use Google Maps, you can say, "Oh, I want to go from here to down to wherever you want to go downtown," and then just pick the transit option, which is the little train instead of the car, and it'll tell you when the next bus is coming and the closest way, and it'll tell you, "Oh, walk over here." You know, it gives mm-hmm. you a little walking, oh, nice. little legs moving, and then it'll tell you ride the bus in, and it'll tell you from the downtown transit center how you get to where you need to go downtown. Mm-hmm. But everything's really close downtown, so walking within the downtown area is pretty easy to do. So I have a meeting with uh, GreenLink tomorrow. Oh, you should ride the so bus. So I need to ride the bus down there. You this do. is my this is my opportunity. There you go. Is your uh, is your meeting with GreenLink on the half hour? Uh, <laughs> the problem is, I'm pretty sure it's like you know at like two o'clock. I know. Well, you could so go. You could leave. I early. could go early and get a coffee or something. Yeah. But yeah, that's where you know. That's it. That's true. And more frequent. You know, service helps someone like me think about my day and could I get mm-hmm. de- could I could I use that service more easily or more yeah. conveniently? Well, and the other great part I think about the bus is, I mean, you do ride downtown, but you can you can get some work done. You can check email like you can do other things. You don't, don't have, have to, to worry park. about parking. Yeah. So it is actually very nice for a professional to use it as a way to. Uh-huh. To go downtown for meetings or to do stuff like that because you end up adding just a little bit more to your day or just a chance to sit and take a breath because sometimes. Yeah. You don't have to be like behind the wheel. And then, you, so these are the, these are the, this is the during the week hours. Do you know mm-hmm. what the weekend hours look like? So the bus does not right now go on Sundays, um, mm. but it's the same, same schedules on Saturdays as well. Okay. It's Monday through, so it's Monday through Saturday the same. And right now we don't have bus service on Sundays. Okay. That's coming though with the transit development plan. So that will be happening. So one more question. I'm interviewing you now. Do, yeah, totally. Do we fine. have, um, do you have data needs as it relates to, uh, transportation in Greenville? 
Because that's one of our, you know, that's the Shine Institute, as I mentioned, has the Center yeah. for Applied Sustainability Research. And we always want to, when we can, support good work, needed work. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that sort of data or data visualization. So I'm thinking of that app that you're using. Like, is there a way that we could um, collect, use that data to assess routes or make routes more efficient mm-hmm. or identify where, you know, sort of hot spots for use of the bus. Because mm-hmm. um, I know oftentimes, like, I'm thinking of, like, at Indiana University, there were, like, times where the bus was just packed. Oh, right. And then there are times like, where students get out of class you look at the bus and the bus is just running and there's almost never anyone, there's one person on it. Mm-hmm. And that was the driver. So, like, um, well, that's, that could, we, could we help in some way with that kind of thing for you guys? I think that or so there's, Greenlink. I there's don't know. two. So you could ask Greenlink about that at your meeting. I think for the way I understand with Greenlink, the information I have seen from them. So they have two transit planners that work there who evaluate all that data and have access okay. to all this stuff and look at it and try to make things more efficient and adjust routes or make sort of both short and long-term plans based on growth within Greenville. Um, and also their resources and timing and all that stuff. Um, so they're always tracking that. Um, I don't know if they have a specific data need that you guys could plug in there. Um, for Greenville Connects and our work, a lot of what we're working on right now, I'm, I'm getting an economic impact study done mm-hmm. around the transit development plan so we can understand if it's fully implemented, what that actually means for Greenville County. And I think that data that I get out of that, there's going to be further steps, right? Like more things that we need to understand, um, especially around the economic um, mobility issues, right? So are people then able to take advantage if we had the, these extra routes, how many more people could get to a job or how many more people? And are those individuals who currently maybe are limited by their economic mobility is limited because of where they live or their access to transportation? Like, can we ignite that community by adding a bus route there mm-hmm. so that individuals really have a chance to um, expand their own that's great. Stability. Um, so I think there might be, yeah, there'd definitely be places for us to connect and work on that. That's great. Well, I'm curious about um, like uh, equitable streets, you know, like our streets now are just so obviously automobile dominant. And if yeah. you look, I guess in some places of the U.S., but particularly in Europe, there will be a lane or a way to prescribe lanes for folks that are carpooling or for buses, mm-hmm. or for walking, or for uh, bike riding. Yeah. And if you look at Greenville, that there's almost none of that. It is all automobile-centric to the point that it's sometimes dangerous, or I'm wondering with the bus system, slower mm-hmm. for the bus system to and, and oh, to navigate. They to don't navigate because they're in there dedicated. with the cars, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious if that's on anybody's radar in Greenville. And, yeah. And, yeah. So the short answer is yes. So there's a lot of um, new innovations that are coming down the pipe that could be implemented here in Greenville. I think they're looking at one of them is uh, that I learned from James Keel, the director of Greenlink. He was telling me about the, Mm. I don't know what you call it, but it's essentially something that the bus has on it that ambulances and fire trucks also have on it to let the stoplights know that they're coming so that they can preemptively turn green so that it goes through and they would prioritize those. So Obviously, the buses would not be as urgently going through as, say, an ambulance or a fire truck. Right. But just recognizing that those types of um, efficiencies can matter when it comes to a system being um, efficient and affordable and reliable and things like that, keeping them on time. Mm-hmm. 
So that's something that would need to be installed in in the community, like at the stoplights and things like that. But I think that's being looked at. Interesting. Um, so that's something here locally. And then when you ask about the the streets and things like that, that is also being looked at. It, the issue here in South Carolina, Greenville County, City of Greenville, is that there the seats are, the streets are all owned by different entities. So the state mm-hmm. owns some, feds, county, and then city roads. So you, the design and planning around that and the funding for those changes all come from different it's streets. All fragmented, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do know that SCDOT is planning to do some work like on, uh, I know Wade Hampton's going to, is being looked at right now to do some changes there because it's was built out so wide, wider than it needs to be. And we need to change maybe some of that priority for the lanes or for maybe um, other choices that allow people to ride their bikes or to walk or to, um, take the bus, things like that, some other forms of transportation. And so as they look at those roads to evaluate them or to update them, they're looking at implementing those new best practices too. So that is on radar as well. That just takes a really long time. So it's, yeah. it is something that people go, you know, why isn't it happening here? Well, that it takes like six or seven years to get that whole and thing real engineered and surveyed and yeah. planned and, and funded. And so it's a whole, and then actually done. So it's out there, but it's just going to take a little while till we see it. Mm-hmm. I just can't, you know, I always remember going to Hamburg, Germany, and how different that was mm-hmm. in terms of how people got to work. And there was there were main corridors right through the center of that city for people, and people were using it like crazy, walking and biking right yeah. right into the heart of their downtown area. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, I think that I think that's something that will be coming. I just think it's going to take a while for us yeah. to get into that space and get that done too. But yeah, I think it's coming. Because, of course, there's an intersection with public health there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just more fun. It's more lively. It's a Mm -hmm. fun way to interact with your community when you're on everything. When you ride your bike, you notice more. You see more. When you're walking, you see more. You notice more. You're just a little more connected than when you're driving by Mm -hmm. quickly. Yep. I think that's very true. Well, thank you for being on the bus. I get we're not on the bus. (laughs) Next time I'll ride the bus. Yeah. Because apparently I I need to. So maybe I will tomorrow. Yeah, there you go. You can report back and let us know if your yeah. bus ride, if it went well. But thank you for being here and letting let me interview you. Sure. All right. Bye, guys. Bussin', the Greenville Transit Podcast, has been brought to you by Greenville Connects and is produced by the Greenville Podcast Company. Please make sure to check us out and give us five stars so everybody can find us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.